0: The hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Before any of that, we're going to kick things off as we will do every day with our afternoon update, catching you up on all that has happened uh, today. The stories that matter most, and joining me for the afternoon update today is Neve Mar, a commercial creative director with Journal Media, and Laura Donnelly, the editor in our newsroom. Uh, here, you're both very welcome uh, to studio. Um, Laura, so the government wants me to eat less food. Is that but, it?
1: Yeah, that's right. As if
0: I wasn't being body shamed enough by social media <laughs> early in the new year.
1: Yeah, the Minister for Agriculture has come out saying restaurants should cut down on their food portions, thereby you will eat less food. And it's to reduce food waste. You're not happy about that.
0: Um, I just, I, uh, I, I, this kind of betrays my own biases. But when I got a notification on my phone and um, minister says, you know, smaller portions in restaurants, I thought, What has Eamon Ryan said this time? Well, it's actually Charlie McConnell Oak.
1: And you can always ask for seconds. That's what he's suggesting, that the restaurant initially serves a smaller portion. And if you want more, you can ask for seconds. And I just can't imagine anyone doing that. Like, particularly hard in a group setting, if you are the one person who's going to put up your hand and say, can I have more of that? Um,
0: At the risk of sounding a little like a food snob now. I read that and I thought, Charlie McConnellogue is eating far too much carvery. That <laughs> he is, though. Yeah. That is the only situation in which it is okay to go up for seconds. Yeah. You can't, in a sit down restaurant with table service, hand back an empty, call over a server, hand back an empty plate and say, I just have a bit more of that spaghetti bolognese there.
1: And I can't imagine the staff will be too happy about that because (laughs) that's going to make more work for them. They've brought out a smaller portion and they may have to come back to you, take your plate back and put more on it. But as you mentioned, carvery is probably where this comes from because it's just such a mountain of food. Like it's such an... I think I'm like one of the rare people who does not like carvery because it's just a pile of food more and more being added. So it's probably, as you mentioned, where this stems from is that that massive amount of food and also people in restaurants are, must be reporting back that they're scraping a lot of food off plates when they return them back to the kitchen.
0: Leave your favourite carvery spot in Dublin is?
1: Um oh...
2: Do you know, I wouldn't be a carvery girl, to be honest with you, but I did have one two days ago. we um, yeah, Absolutely. But it's interesting. Carveries, yeah, I would definitely go back up. But I, I also only ever order a half when I'm in a carvery because I don't like mounds of food on my plate. I would be a big advocate of a doggy bag. Although reading this article, the minister did say that we actually have to change our behaviours and not order doggy bags. They shouldn't be in existence. And it's all down to food waste. But
0: sorry, I thought doggy bags... Mitigate against well, food waste. Well,
2: when you think about it, yes. But actually, then when you think about the portion size, you shouldn't be in a position to have to ask for a doggy bag. That's the whole point of this. And then ultimately, if you bring the doggy bag home, then, you know, are you actually going to eat it? Or oh, are you just time. saving face in the restaurant? Or Is it just going to end in the bin with the amount of other food waste? Which I didn't actually realise. Like, to be honest with you, when it comes to environmental issues, food waste wouldn't have been up there mm-hmm. in terms of my own... Issues, yeah, like I wouldn't think about it as much as I might. It wouldn't the pr- be the sexy environmental issue that you think of. Is
0: the problem the, the level of waste or that there is so much waste that we are producing food we don't need? That, that doesn't get eaten you know what I mean like at what end of this production line is the problem
2: I think it's pretty much all encompassing to okay. be honest with you like the statistics are are pretty up there the government has committed to reducing food waste by 50% by 2030 that's how much of a big issue it is and actually for you know that the average homeowner I don't think you realise that the cost is 60 euro a month or 700 euro a year that you're literally dumping into the bin that's every single household so it, I mean it really is something that you should look at because I wasn't necessarily aware of it. I'm a new mother now and my my daughter is actually doing baby led weaning. And the amount of times that I'm in the grocery store now and half of the Vegetables and fruit are on the floor. So I'm a lot more aware What's of my food you waste now.
0: Weaning is. So they
2: kind of pick it up and eat the food themselves. But when I tell you that the percentage of the amount of food that goes into her mouth as opposed to the floor is very small. So okay. I feel the food waste in my own kitchen. So I'm aware of it now. But the journal is actually running a poll on this piece today. And as of an hour ago, when asked, should portion sizes in restaurants be reduced? 54.9% said no, 38.4% said yes, and 6.7% are saying unsure. So basically, get your hand off my portion size is what the readers of the journal are saying today.
0: So, Laura, are you like Neve and myself, I have to admit as well, uh, conscious of our food waste? So, I, like, I'm th- we're terrible. I say I, we're terrible. I'm, I'm going to tar us all in our house with the same brush. When the shopping is done, the first thing you do when you bring it in is start emptying the fridge of the stuff that's out yeah. of date and turned to mush before you can put anything in. I've got to make space for it. I
1: know. I think most of us have gotten better at reducing food waste at home and at also like, but like, packing stuff away and using it the next day which yeah. I think years ago we might not have been as well, good my, as. My
0: personal approach is much like my approach to washing denims and bedclothes and things like that. <laughs> which I we just, don't support. It's, it's really just, like, disgusting. You know uh, uh, unless it physically makes you sick the smell of it you can probably ingest it.
1: Oh no. I know, and back to your food waste point in particular my <laughs> parents um, in relation to turkey at Christmas this is the first year they didn't go for the full turkey they got the crown and their reason was they end up throwing away a lot of it. So that might be the steps that people are taking at home um, but I don't know if we can bring that into the restaurant. Well,
2: that's the thing, yeah. The, bringing it into the restaurant, I think, is the issue. People can kind of monitor their own food waste at home by making meal plans, by checking your own stocks before you go shopping and by storing and freezing your food accurately. But when you're in a restaurant, I can never see myself putting my hand up and saying, can I have seconds, please? Could you imagine? No. Mortified.
0: Uh, most higher-end restaurants have so little food on the plate that you'd want to have a meal before going out to yeah. somebody else. Otherwise, yeah. you'd starve a lot of money for little food on the plate. Nice presentation, but not enough of it. I presume the restaurants will lower the prices if they're serving less to somebody else. When the minister is paying the restaurant bill, he can tell you what to do. Otherwise, he can F off, says one uh, person. And this listener from Cavan says, my mother-in-law gets so much food at the carvery, she gets another dinner out of it the next day. She does it on purpose. The they didn't say there from Cavan. I've just jumped to that <laughs> uh, conclusion. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, with Henry McKean in a few minutes. I'm Henry himself has been trying to... Uh, Uh, take the minister's lead and uh, cut his own food waste. So we'll find out how he got on in a few minutes' uh, time. Um, Elsewhere in the world, uh, Laura, the uh, US election kind of season is really uh, heating up. It's only a few days before this kind of Iowa caucuses and kind of dispiritingly and depressingly, uh, schools back this week in some parts of the States and we've had, lo and behold, our first school shooting as well, somewhere in Iowa. So this happened yesterday. People would have woken up to the news or heard it even Yesterday evening, understandably and predictably, the prospective presidential candidates have been asked about it and Ron DeSantis was first uh, to be quizzed. Actually, let's take a little listen to what he had to say. Well, I don't support uh, infringing the rights of law-abiding citizens uh, with respect to the ability to to exercise their constitutional rights. Um, I know these things can be used to try to target things, and a lot of the things that are proposed uh, would not have even prevented any of these things. And that's typically, I think, what we've seen in these cycles. But people can count on me to hold criminals accountable, be very serious
1: about uh, holding accountable people that represent a danger to society, but at the same time protecting their constitutional rights.
0: I described it kind of as dispiriting and depressing, Laura, that we had our first school shooting. Equally dispiriting and depressing that straight out the gap, Ron DeSantis, oh God, no, we can't take guns off
1: people. Yeah, absolutely. God forbid. When I saw that headline, before I even clicked into the article, I thought this is going to be put back on the school for them to protect themselves from these guns. So we've heard after all school shootings, children are interviewed after them and they're told that they had already been trained for what to do in a similar way that we might have done um, fire drills in school. They do these kind of drills where they prepare. So the the responsibility here, according to these comments, is being put back on the children, the teachers, the school rather than the, the person. Person coming in wielding a gun. So later in the in the interview, he said schools, um, he talked about what he's done and he said schools are required to partner with law enforcement agencies to hire an armed officer. And in 2023, a law was passed to allow schools to request a firearm detection dog. Yet, as you mentioned, nothing on the other side of it, the person who comes in with the gun.
0: Uh, I guess, Niamh, after Sandy Hook, when we didn't get... Serious attempts mm. uh, or, or serious results uh, uh, as a consequence of some attempts at curtailing the proliferation of gun ownership in the states. Uh, it was never going to happen
2: no and no i don 't think so and I that think was
0: kind of a horror beyond belief sandy Hook and also- no, no there was no consequence
2: no well i think I think every school shooting is horror beyond belief, and when we put ourselves in the positions of the parents and even the the children themselves. I can't imagine going to a place where elsewhere in that interview, Ron DeSantis said, you know, whatever reason, he said that people in our society get a kick out of doing this. And it it sounds like an excuse. It sounds like no matter what they do, they're not willing to come in hard against it. I think we always have to look at other countries and how they have taken stands against it and all you have to do is look at 1996 in the UK, in Dunblane and look at how by the following year Parliament had banned private ownership of most handguns as well as semi-automatic guns and there hasn't been a school shooting since in the UK and that was in 1996. So I don't think the US will ever come out strong against it and it's no surprise that none of the presidential candidates are.
0: Um... We're going to be talking about this later. Jeff Cooner, who's hosted the Cooner Report and WRKO uh, Radio in Boston, uh, will be with me to talk about that. And I guess the talk as well about the fact that, as I said, Laura, at six days, is it, to the Iowa caucus? So, I mean, we're going to be kind of knee deep in US politics for about the next, but well, when is the first Thursday in November? Ten months away?
1: Yeah, we've got months and months of this ahead of us. It'll be comments after comments, digs after digs. So we'll buckle up.
0: Yeah, anyway, listen, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, Jonathan Walters, I do want to talk about. Uh, so, himself and Roy Keane. Jonathan Walters is a former uh, Irish captain, as is Roy Keane, uh, actually. And um, they have gone at each other several times uh, in the past. They've gone at each other at Ipswich. They went at each other uh, at the Republic of Ireland, at training camps, and since as well. It all started, or rather the kind of public side of this spat all started with off the ball. Blame off the ball uh, is what I say because uh, they interviewed Roy Keane I think it was 2019 and this is what Roy said about Jonathan Walters. I've worked with John he was demanding he was demanding to leave Vipswich and I was down there. Talk's a good game. Imagine if he had a good CV. Imagine if he won a trophy.
1: He went on to have a good career as a professional.
0: He done okay. He done okay. And the games he was fit for with Ireland he done well I have to say. But towards the end when players are turning up and creating stuff. Do me a favour. Yeah, he he, he got meaner than that, I think, a little bit later in the interview as well, Laurie. He said, you know, he should just go home and kind of look at his medals. Oh, wait, he doesn't have
1: any. That's exactly the line stuck in my head. I watched this to refresh my memory just before this piece and um, I still don't feel right after it. It's more brutal than I remember. Um, Nathan looked so uncomfortable. It was such an uncomfortable rant and it's back in the headlines now because Jonathan Walters has kind of hit back.
0: Yeah, he was on TalkSport uh, in the UK uh, actually this morning, I think, and this is what he said. I don't think anyone's ever got one over on Roy Keane ever as a player. As a as a as a teammate, as a as a as a player under him, and I think that's the only time that's ever happened to him when I was at Ipswich. And on that, and the rest of that clip, he's tried to make out it didn't, and that's what, that's what you shouldn't lie about. So if you lie, it'll it'll come off. The truth will always come out. So it will come out. It will come out. It will come out. Via who? Via you? By me when when the time's right to do it. Okay. When I feel like like here's my career. Like I've said before, I might at some point I might go through my career and do a book, and it'll be a it'll be a story that no one will ever know anything about if, if, if even when I do tell that story I'll tell it in detail I'll tell everything I'll just be honest So that was Jonathan Walters this morning Niamh on Talksport uh, he then decided maybe he didn't get his point across so he took to Twitter took yes. to X uh, at about lunchtime today what did he say?
2: Well he basically said that this clip is is brought up to him every I mean, he said quite often, to be honest with you. And he went on to say, I'm an individual who stands up for what I believe in. But there are others who who struggle when people uh, don't capitulate to them. And I think, um, I wouldn't say that he was threatening, but he was definitely alluding to the fact that there's more to this story than we know of. And look, I don't have any dogs in this fight. I don't know the history of the two of them. But I will liken it to, Kieran what you said earlier in the week about Ryan Tuberty, when you said that he has carved out a niche <laughs> by... Reading books, I feel like Roy Keane yeah. seems to have carved out and newspapers out, I and newspapers. Read
0: books and newspapers. Yeah, but
2: do you not feel that and Roy so Keane odd.
0: has kind of and I like the Beatles, the most popular <laughs> band in history.
2: But I feel like Roy Keane oddity. has carved out a niche for being almost a panto villain when it comes to, like, to be honest with you, grumpiness. You know, I mean, I felt like it's Roy Keane's job now to analyse football and to and to comment on players, and that can, of course, at times, be negative. But this seems to be something that clips it's uncomfortable to watch. He seemed to go into a lot of personal detail. And as Jonathan Walter said, it came it came off the back of a very emotional time for him, a very raw time when he spoke to Ryan Toberty on The Late Late Show um, about a very hard time in his life. So if I was him, I, I would also be quite distru- disgruntled by the fact that this keeps getting brought up with any interview that he seems to be on. I mean, it seems like he's got more to say on that, and I'd say we're going to hear it eventually. But he did also say that there wasn't a book coming out. But yeah, he kind of he, teased he, it a little he's, bit. I,
0: he's kind of looking for a publisher. I mean, he might be like looking for a deal, yeah. yeah. Um, I just wonder, Laura, should he have, if it comes up all the time, should he not have a stock, a more concise stock answer that uh, allows him to occupy the moral high ground? You know, kind of a... You know, listen, there's more to this, but I'm not going to, listen, I don't think personal insults are kind of, I think is a bit pathetic, so I'm not going to engage in it. And I just say, listen, fair play to Roy, isn't he an amazing footballer? And then suddenly Roy just looks pathetic.
1: Yeah, or he could take some lessons from Colleen Rooney, who put a lot of work in a oh couple God, of years ago yes. to oh, yes. to finally draw a line under something. So that could be a good lesson. Uh, Jonathan Walter saying the reason that Roy Keane is such an issue is because he's never been able to get one over on him. Why would you try? Like, no one really wants to go up against Roy Keane. You just back out of that and go, OK, OK. OK, Roy, have it. Yeah. I'll leave this with
0: you. He'll also get the last word because he just has the Sky Sports platform now. So if Roy decides he wants to wade back in, he can do it on a, a huge platform. And uh, listen, uh, before um, either of you go, there was just one other story as well during the rounds today that I I, I wanted to, to talk to you about. And it's about how parks are named and that they want to change it, um, Dublin City Councillors. So, uh, Laura, you might explain how... Do we name parks at the moment or what are the rules around it?
1: Yeah, I was certainly interested in this story because there is a new rule that I was, uh, I've was i only just become aware of because I've monitored a lot of Dublin City Council meetings over the years and this issue, sins. yeah, the naming of parks has come up a lot. So when I saw the Stephen Gately story in the headlines again, I thought, has that not happened? Because I definitely heard about that years ago. But there was a new rule brought in in recent years by Dublin City Council and they took lessons from the UK and this relates to parks in the UK being named in particular after Jimmy Savile. And they made a decision over there where you then wait 20 years after someone's passing before deciding to name a park or a street after them. So that by that stage, anything that's going to come out is likely okay. to have come out by then. There's enough distance in in the in the years between their death and people maybe speaking out. So it's a lesson that Dublin City Council has learned and adopted from the UK. So that's the reason why this has not happened. Stephen Gately in particular died in 2009. And there's been a lot of talk about this, but he's got. No, there'll be another few years before anywhere in Dublin can yeah. be named after him.
0: I mean, the, the pace these things happen, if Dublin City Council decides to find and develop a new park, it'll be five years anyway before they get around to it. The 20 years would have passed, Eve.
2: Well, this is it. Now, the thing is, I'm a huge Stephen Gatley fan, right? I believe that he should have a park named after him. I think it's a wonderful way to commemorate. Um, it's lovely. It's lovely.
0: But I mean, there's a good reason they have this rule in place.
2: Well, there's a good reason because they named parks, they named charities, they named streets, they named benches after Jimmy Savile. They a huge named cost. like
0: school wings after Jimmy Savile. But this is, Hospital is it. Hospital wings. It
2: was uncomfortable for everybody. I mean, there was one conference hall in Leeds that they changed, and that alone cost 50 grand to actually change. So, understandable why that's happening. Surely this can be looked at on a case by case basis. Or I was actually looking in Amsterdam, they have a way of changing the names of streets, because, of course, streets as well as parks, you know, there's a lot of colonial history. And just underneath it just says formally. And then so it's it's kind of eliminating the element of erasure, but it's also giving the opportunity for potentially a new name to come up if something becomes an issue later on. You know, so I mean, I think that there are different ways of looking at it. There shouldn't be a, a blanket case just because of Jimmy Savile when it comes to naming parks. And I think the councillor, Christy Burke, who is, was talking about the North Inner City, which is where this park is, said that it would be a massive boost for the area as well. And that the family still live there and that Stephen Gately's mother in particular is an absolute stalwart of the community. And it would be lovely. So I do think a case by case basis for this might be nice.
0: Niamh Mark Commercial Creative Director with Journal Media Laura Donnelly Editor in our newsroom Listen thank you both very very much uh, for joining me for the afternoon update today DJ says I ordered a steak onion and mushrooms in the restaurant came out and I said where's the onion and mushrooms under the steak said the server all for 40 euro DJ is absolutely appalled as is somebody else when asked for 27.95 for a turkey and ham dinner special in a cabin hotel I was sure I was getting a full turkey not so the Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cottahee. With Nissan. Weekdays from 4. On News Talk.